And good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Monday afternoon. Hello, Dan. Hey, Buzz. How are you? I'm great. Did you have a good weekend? A good weekend. So, all right, Dan the Brazilian, yes. let's hear it. What's happening with the World Cup today? You want a World Cup update, huh, Buzz? It's going to well, cost you. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the no, Americans No, you should play? pay me for giving me the opportunity oh. to talk about Brazil. Buzz, I pay you with my presence here, Buzz. Yes, you know true. that. All right. America played well, but, you know, uh, the Netherlands is a very strong team, so... Didn't work out for them, but I, I watched. It was that a game. date, and they went Dutch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's great, Buzz. Um, no, it was a good game. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think. But uh, how about the Brazilians? They played just well. They just finished the game. They, uh, I think, uh, dismantled the South Koreans, which was a great team. A, a South Korea that beat Portugal two to one. Uh, but Brazil is probably too strong. Now Brazil will play Croatia, so that's going to be a big game. But there are some great games for Friday and Saturday. I mean, France, England, Argentina, the Netherlands. I mean, this is this is cream of the crop here in well, the I thought there was going to be a shifting in the balance of powers in, in world uh, football. But Morocco it seems like the big ones are still the big Morocco ones. Morocco finished first place in their group. Japan beat Germany and Spain, knocked out the, the Germans. I mean, I still feel like... Yeah, there's been a Saudi Arabia beat Argentina in the very first game. There is that. But Argentina shift. went on. But Argentina, well, they have Messi, and uh, they have the big, they have the LeBron James of uh, you know soccer. So, Dan, did you get the World Cup out of your system now? I just wanted to make sure for I was, today, Buzz. All right, for, for today. That's good. Listen, I just want to forecast. We have really some terrific. Uh, guests coming on our show, including today, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, well, at 4.30, we have Writer's Block with Megan Zinn. It's going to be wonderful. We have Pete Nelson discussing his musical uh, based on his own two novellas. It's called The Love Story. Singer Tracy Grammer is going to be performing in it. It's really, I have never met anybody who's actually the author of a book that got turned into a musical, and this is a local person with very successful novellas that are uh, turning in, so I can't wait till 4.30. Um, to, to hear more about that. Tomorrow, um, Nan Parati will continue her discussions about uh, her uh, finding inner strength based on personal experience. She'll be interviewing Tom McCrum, who survived um, an awful avalanche in Peru and uh, found inner strength uh, for the rest of his life as a result of that dreadful experience. On Wednesday, at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a very special guest. Mark it on your calendar because I promise you it's going to be an interesting show at 4 o'clock. At 4.30, Dr. Stephen Platt, professor of history and a China expert, will be talking about the protests which have erupted in China. On Thursday, we'll have A to Z owner Andrew Boulay, purveyor of science and nature stores, toys, um, along with Glenn Siegel, who's going to be interviewing uh, violinist and vocalist Terry Janor. And on Friday, one of the best people in the world, Bob Pura, and his co-author, Tara Parker. Bob was a longtime president of Greenfield Community College who has now written a book, In Pursuit of Democracy, which talks about the nexus between education and democracy. It has never been more timely than it is right now. Uh, but speaking of right now, I am thrilled that we have in studio... Um, two activists who are working on an incredibly important regional issue, and that is the Evergreen Pipeline um, that is being proposed to uh, run through the guts of Longmeadow and Springfield to deliver, deliver natural gas. Um, there's terrific activism, and we have two of those activists right here in studio, and I'm going to start with Gary Levine, who is the chair of the Long Meadow Pipeline Awareness Group. Gary, thank you for coming down and joining us. My pleasure, Buzz. Nice to meet you. Actually, it's coming up, isn't it? You came up We to came join up, us. yes. Yeah, did. Yes, right. I did. <laughs> so I think um, the best thing to do is to... I'm just going to give a little lead-in that Eversource hopes to build an underground pipeline that would run between a station in Long Meadow, where you live, to an existing regula regulator station on in Springfield, I think on Bliss Street in Springfield, and it's a $65 million pipeline, and the Eversource says it'll provide gas to 58,000 uh, consumers in Greater Springfield, and you have grave concerns about it. So can you tell us uh, what the Longmeadow Pipeline Awareness Group and your neighbors are concerned about? Okay, well, this is a project that we found out about about seven years ago, and uh, 2018... Uh, Tennessee Gas Company, which is the bringing in the interstate uh, gas line, purchased land at the Longmeadow Country Club and 
to start to have a place to put a gas metering station, which is a hookup between Tennessee Gas's pipeline and, at that time, Columbia Gas Pipeline, which would take, pick up the gas from there. Uh, Merrimack Valley happened. Columbia Gas went belly up, and Eversource bought Columbia Gas, and we thought, great, that's the end of the project. But lo and behold, we found out that they were going to proceed with the project. And they're bringing in gas through Long Meadow into Springfield, but we're not getting access to that gas directly. This is, in their mind, a reliability project or a redundancy project where they'll have this extra pipeline if anything happens to the current pipeline. Not delivering gas. It's not bringing new gas to customers. Let me understand that, Gary. There's enough gas to satisfy demand right now but this is like just-in-case excess? It's a just-in-case. To put a pipeline from Longmeadow running all the way through Springfield yes. for that just-in-case. Yeah, and then it's supposed to hook up in Springfield, as you mentioned, to the Bliss Street the regular station. And their claim is that, well, the main pipe is coming on from over under the Memorial Bridge. And if anything happens to the Memorial Bridge, everybody's going to lose gas. Well, the Memorial Bridge withstood... Uh, a tornado in 2011. Actually, I was on the bridge during really? that tornado with wow. my wife. I was. And uh, with, <laughs> I'm glad to know that the bridge held and you're here to talk to me I about am it. too. Okay. <laughs> but so the bridge is pretty strong, and they claim that it's a 70-year-old pipe. Well, repair the pipe. And, they, and it's not giving any new gas to customers in Long Meadow. Maybe 15% of the customers in Long Meadow will benefit from this. 85% get their gas from in another station in East Long Meadow. That's where the gas really comes to in most mm. of Long Meadow. So it's not bringing new gas for customers at this point. It's a redundancy or a reliability project, which we don't think is necessary. And, it's, and the, sorry, the gas metering station that they're putting there is in a residential neighborhood near an elementary school. Wow, an elementary school. We're here with Naya Tenerowitz. She's a member of the Springfield Climate Justice Coalition. Thanks for joining us today, Naya. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, could you explain, on this show we talk often about environmental justice, and I know that that's part of your concern and health consequences. Can you tell us what your concerns are? Yeah, so in terms of environmental justice, the majority of Springfield is environmental justice communities. So those are communities that have a higher percentage of people of color, of people who speak who do not speak English as their first language, of immigrants, of people with low income. That's most of Springfield. Uh, and because of that, our lives are often valued less and our communities are targeted by polluting industries. Springfield has very high levels of air pollution and very high levels of asthma and respiratory illness. In, highest in the Commonwealth. Oh, just about twice, two consecutive years. It was the number one asthma capital of the nation. Uh, and in 2021, it was uh, it was still within, I believe, the top 10 asthma capitals of the nation. I think it was the seventh. Um, well, there, there's a fact I'm sorry to have learned. Yeah. So it's, it's something like 20 to 25 percent of children in Springfield have asthma. Uh, and this pipeline will increase that pollution. All pipelines leak. And when you're trying to contain a gas, it's it's even harder to contain it. There are, are most of the time, 100 or so active leaks of gas pipelines in Springfield already. Uh, and adding a larger than and more high pressure than any other gas pipeline in Springfield that's going to increase the amount of air pollution that th we have. Naya Tenerowitz, why would that be that it, adds, that it has more pressure than your customary gas pipeline? That is something they haven't really given an adequate answer for. We've asked them and they claimed that it was something about the length of the pipeline, but that doesn't really add up given that this pipeline is not really that much longer than the existing pipeline going into Springfield. And it's over twice the, the, the PSI there, yeah. three times, almost three times. Um, and I want to add to what Gary was saying about the, that Eversource's claim about reliability. They're, the, the, the worry that they're kind of fear-mongering about is that if something happens to the existing pipeline coming over the Memorial Bridge, uh, then the whole Springfield service area would lose our gas. Um, but 
the pipeline that they want to build would come through the exact same metering station that the existing pipeline goes through before being distributed to anyone in Springfield. So if if something were to happen to that station, then both pipelines would be out and we would lose all of our gas anyway. This is not about reliability. It's about making Eversource money. There's no end to the number of stories that we hear about in the name of uh, goodness, how profit always is the underlying motive, isn't it? Gary, I wanted to ask you, what's I'll tell you what I know, the little bit I understand. I understand that it's under review right now by a number of different entities, agencies, by the Energy Facilities Board. I think there's another word in there. Energy Facilities Siting Board. Siting Board, the Environmental (laughs) Protection Act's office uh, regionally, the Department of Public Utilities of the Commonwealth, right? Um, And that this review process could take two years. So what is going on during that review process and what kind of access to you as citizens and activists have? Okay, well, the first part, the environmental aspects, is being reviewed by MEPA, which is the Massachusetts Environmental Policy Act office. And they conducted hearings uh, in, in the, they, they conducted a site visit, rather, to the proposed site and the pipeline routes in the summer. And they asked Eversource to come up with an environmental notice uh, application where they and then to get eventually come to an environmental impact report which is in the process that hasn't been done yet so that's what that's one thing we're waiting on to see what they judge so the, the route uh, isn't formalized yet not yet okay not well, at the same time the as naya said the uh, energy facility and siting board reviews the process they're the ones who give the permit for the project to move forward at this point they uh the the filing was in May by Eversource, and we just got we got a notice in early November that the first pu- that a public hearing will be held next Wednesday, December fourteenth. Mm. A virtual, a virtual public hearing. This is one. inviting public comment. This is with public comments, public you know, access to speaking, and it's a single virtual uh, hearing. Uh, the only problem with that is, and I, if you look at the EFSB handbook, it says right in the handbook for project EFSB, the energy, the energy facility, facility board, siting board. Yeah. I apologize. Forget that out there. That's okay. These acronyms are crazy. Okay, I know. For projects such as transmission lines or pipelines that often span multiple communities, the siting board determines the number and location or locations of public hearings so as to provide a reasonable opportunity for interested persons to attend having a single virtual hearing for two communities that are involved in this. Heavily populated and communities. And heavily populated, I mean, exactly. What is the population in Springfield? There's 150,000 people yeah, or something like something that. Something like and that. And Longmeadow is... It's about 15. About 15. So we're talking so, about 165,000 people, and we're going to give one day of public comments for a couple of hours? That's and, it. And I want to add that it's a virtual hearing. In Springfield, we are a low-income community. A lot of people do not own their own computers. They do not have access to reliable Wi-Fi. We saw the, the enormous impact that that lack of access had on students and school children when we had the year of virtual classes. There are so many students who fell behind because they didn't have adequate access and regular access to Zoom. And this is a Zoom hearing. This means that not only people who, you know, whose schedules do not line up with the single time that this hearing is happening, but also people who don't who are poor, who are more impacted by these environmental issues because they are more vulnerable to them. They do not have access to this hearing at all. Um Naya Tanerowitz and Gary Levine, we went through this in the hill towns and up here in the valley with the Kinder Morgan pipeline proposal, which fortunately failed. Um, but um, here we are, listeners, we're, we're here, our neighbors to the south who, um, who need our voices, are crying for our voices. When we come back, I'm going to ask Gary Levine about what legislators can do, especially with respect to this upcoming December 14th one-shot, Zoom-only, public comment invitation, uh, and how we can expand that. We have legislators, and I think some of those legislators are aware of this and supportive of the activists' uh, activities to stop it, um, or at least review it fairly. Um, And we're going to talk about that right after these messages. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMT. It's nature's way of telling you, dying Behind the Shield, The Power and Politics of the NFL. This film about militarism, racism, and nationalism will be shown at the Amherst Cinema on Wednesday, and the filmmaker Dave Zirin of The Nation and MSNBC will be our guest Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. The holidays, baking, wrapping, decorating, and of course, shopping for that special gift. Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. This holiday season, consider giving a private one-on-one personal training session with a Fitness Together gift card. Stop by our locations, Amherst or Northampton, to pick one up in person. Or give us a call and we'll drop one in the mail. Give a gift that keeps the ones you love fit and healthy. Happy holidays from all of us at Fitness Together. At PV Squared Solar, we live by our mission, energizing a brighter future for people and planet. This year, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary. 20 years of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar. 20 years of relationships founded on trust and clean energy. 20 years of powerful cooperation. Thank you for the partnerships along the way, and we look forward to serving this community for 20 years more. Happy birthday, PV Squared! Learn more at pvsquared.coop. Did you know that you can prevent domestic and sexual violence? You can say something. We all can say something. Together, we can do so much. Say Something is the domestic and sexual violence prevention program at Safe Passage. Join a prevention lab to build your skills and find opportunities to say something to prevent violence. Join us and help make your community safe and healthy for everyone. Get more information or sign up for a prevention lab at saysomethingnow.org. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Thanks and welcome back. We are in a conversation here with a very important conversation with Gary Levine, the chair of the Long Meadow Pipeline Awareness Group, and Naya Tanerowitz, the member of the uh, Springfield Climate Justice Coalition. We're talking about the proposed pipeline through Longmeadow that would end on, I guess, Bliss Street in Springfield. Um, we've talked about uh, th- that it's in review by the Energy Facility Siting Board, the Environmental Protection Act Office, and the Department of Public Utilities, a review that will take some time, um, that the Springfield City Council has voted to reject the plans to run it through a large section of the city, and the Longmeadow Select Board has also opposed it, and six Springfield area legislators have called for it to be halted. So, Gary Levine, people should get in touch with those legislators. I'm particularly upset that there will, for 165, I'm guessing, thousand people, there's going to be one public comment period by Zoom, which only some people will have access to. It can't be lasting very long. So we need to get more public comments for written and oral. So what should people know? Okay, what you should know, get in touch with your local legislators. We have some who've already spoken out. Eric Lesser has spoken out, our state senator. Brian Ash has been in favor of, you know, uh, stopping the pipeline in the past. Jake Oliveira, who just, was just elected to the state senate, is, uh, has written uh, letters against the pipeline. Talk to them. Talk to you. Find out who your local legislators are and tell them 
that this is something that has to have more than one virtual hearing. That's a light lift for a legislator. They don't have to like even take a position. They only have to say, my constituents deserve the opportunity to be heard on this. That's all they have to say. And, so, and uh, there is a public uh, hearing, virtual public hearing, next Wednesday, December 14th at 6 o'clock in the evening. You can sign on to the Zoom link if you go to the EFSB site. And uh, there was a public written comment due date, which was just changed. It was originally January 2nd, which is the federal New Year's Day. It was just changed today to January 17th. So just today? Yeah, just today. That came out. And yeah. so get in touch with your legislators. They're the ones who can help us you know, uh, get this done. Yeah, it's, it's really important. This process should be a fair process. It actually... It doesn't just affect lives. It endangers lives, right? And, uh, Naya, you were talking about uh, environmental justice. We're here in the show. We're really concerned about the fact that there always seems to be a disproportionate hit on neighborhoods of color and of poverty. And, and you've pointed out that that's exactly what Springfield is. is, is uh, well, so much of Springfield is that. Um, those that work their way out of poverty usually lose, they move to Longmeadow. <laughs> But Naya, how can people get in touch with you if they want to get involved in this in this uh, struggle? You can go to stopthetoxicpipeline.org, and then you can find contact info on for the Longmeadow group on the Longmeadow page of that, and for the Springfield group on the Springfield page on that website. Uh, I will be updating that website later today with the updated info we have from the EFSB and with the. Uh, info on how to submit your comments and all of that. So you can go to stopthetoxicpipeline.org. And I just want to add on the asks for legislators that we're not only asking for uh, more public hearings, but we're asking for in-person hearings in both Springfield and Longmeadow and for those hearings to take place after the environmental impact report has been released so that we can inform our comments about the environmental impact that this project will have since that is one of the things that the EFSB is supposed to be taking into account here. Right. The Energy Facility Siting Board should be taking those things into account. And if people are too busy on December 14th to participate in what sounds like a very crowded Zoom, it's probably going to crash if everybody who's interested takes part in it. But um, And if we don't have other hearings scheduled soon, can people write Naya Tenerowitz? Absolutely, you can. Uh, you can... Find the info on how to submit your public comment online, but I'll just say now you can email your public comments to dpu.efiling at mass.gov. Again, you can find that information online. Uh, and if you go to our website, I will post our public commenting toolkit, uh, and that will explain not only the process of how to write a public comment, but give you some info on the, the things that we're concerned about here. Okay, and so uh, one more time, give us the website and the Facebook. It's stopthetoxicpipeline.org, and the Longmeadow Pipeline Awareness Group has a Facebook page that is active as well. Yeah, and that's... Last the, word, Gary Levine. Okay, that, uh, just to get that in, it's the Longmeadow Pipeline Awareness Group on Facebook. And I want to thank you, Buzz, for having us here today. Well, I thank you for your activism. I think that it's really important. We're talking about tens and tens of thousands of people. We're talking about dangers. As Naya said, we learned this when Kinder Morgan proposed, proposed the pipeline through this region, that they always leak. It isn't, an, it isn't like, oh my goodness, there's a little leak. It's like there's so many connections in these pipelines. They're vast. They're engineering marvels. They really are. But they can only remain leak free for so long and when they leak it takes a spark and communities are killed i, I just want to end naya could you remind us of what happened uh what 10 years ago in springfield yeah in 2012 there was a gas explosion in downtown springfield when a worker was doing maintenance in a building um and there was a massive explosion as he breached because the pipeline of a because, leak. because of the leak in that pipeline 18 buildings were no 42 buildings were damaged 18 people were injured including some people getting third degree burns uh, and the toll would have been much, much worse if it had taken place during the day when most of those buildings would have been full of people and the daycare a couple doors down would have had children in it. And we really do not want 
that to happen with an even bigger, higher-pressure pipeline. That's a great place to leave it. Uh, Naya Tenerowitz of the Springfield Climate Justice Coalition, Gary Levine, the chair of the Longmeadow Pipeline Awareness Group. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for what you're doing. It's important work. Everybody, look into this. Stay with us, because right after this, we're going to have a wonderful interview um, in Writer's Block with Megan Zinn of Pete Nelson discussing his musical, A Love Story. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sit beside a mountain stream, see her waters rise. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. That was the countdown for the annual Hot Chocolate Run for Safe Passage yesterday. Over 5,000 participants, each part of a fundraising team that raised money for the organization dedicated to ending domestic violence, took part in the event. Who wants to hear the final total of the fundraising? Safe Passage's mission is to end domestic violence and give survivors the care they need to carry on. A Northampton man is under arrest after Greenfield police received multiple reports of an attempted robbery and ensuing altercation at the mobile gas station located at 142 Mohawk Trail. 42-year-old Carlos Benvenuti took cash from the register Friday afternoon when the attendant left the store to change gas prices outside. The attendant confronted Benvenuti and an altercation between the two arose. When the police arrived, the cash was recovered, and Ben Venetti was arrested on multiple charges, including larceny and assault and battery. And the city of Northampton is executing an option to purchase the former First Baptist Church building on Main Street as the home for the new community resilience hub. Mayor Gina Louise Sherratt made the announcement Friday, saying the search has been exhaustive, but this building is worth the wait. For the rest of today, look for increasing clouds, highs 44 to 48. Tonight it'll be cloudy, overnight lows around 30. And the outlook for Tuesday, cloudy and mild, rain developing in the afternoon, highs in the lower 50s. I'm 22 New Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. One of the best savings rates in America is another reason banking with Capital One is the easiest decision. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. While snowmakers were back at it to close out the weekend, a cool day and a cold night helped the mountain crews maintain open trails and look toward opening new ones soon. Add what you said about a half dozen runs, skiing till 7 p.m. seven nights a week there. Stratton in southern Vermont, 20 trails, just over two dozen for Killington as they added some runs over the weekend. Bretton Woods about three miles of action on a half dozen trails. At Smuggler's Notch they plan to reopen on the 10th so does Burke Mountain. Jiminy Peak reopening on the 10th as well. Waterville Valley looking to get their season started on the 10th. Hey this report brought to you by Smuggler's Notch Vermont America's family resort where family fun is guaranteed. Visit smugs.com With the Weather Channel and snowcountry.com I'm Jason Dean. At American National, we understand the tried and true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Business West. The vital business news in Western Mass is in Business West. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. This 
is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back. It is time for Writer's Block with Megan Zinn. Hello, Megan. Hi, Buzz. So, oh, I'm I'm peachy. How's everybody in the Zinn household? Well, uh, you know, we got a little COVID here, um, but otherwise, we're we're getting by. Um, and I'm glad glad to be here today. Um, my guest is uh, writer and musician Pete Nelson. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thanks for having me. And uh, Pete Nelson earned an M. Bio here. Pete earned in poetry from the Iowa's Writers Workshop, and since graduating, he has published one, but also thirty books of fiction and nonfiction, <laughs> and about two hundred short stories or articles in national magazines. He has two CDs on the on the Signature Sounds label, based in Northampton, and has taught writing in the Emerson College and Fairfield University MFA programs. And he lives in Northampton. And today we're going to talk about a musical that. Pete has written called Last Request, A Love Story. He's taken two novellas he wrote many years ago and has adapted them into a, a one-person musical, which he is debuting. Um, it, it's The Last Request, A Love Story is going to be performed by folk singer and actress Tracy Grammer in three performances this month at, um, I'm going to give a little bit of detail here, December 8th at 7.30 at Studio 30 at 30 North Maple Street in Florence, December 16th at 7.30 at Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center, and on December 18th at 3 at the Drake in Amherst. All right. Well, welcome. Pete. Well, thanks for having me. Um, tell me, um, tell us about Last Request, A Love Story. What is um, what is the story of the musical? Well, it's, it's sort of stories within stories, but the, the premise is that a, a woman is home in hospice. She's dying. Uh, she feels okay, but she's not going to last too long. Mm-hmm. And she, and to make the, uh, the, you know, it's one of the hardest things you can do as a child. So she kind of wants to make her, her daughter's uh, experience a l- little easier. Give her, she, 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 in the past, has distracted her daughter with games and riddles and that sort of thing. So she says, why don't you write a musical about my life and then you can sing it to me uh, while I'm in hospital, while I'm home. And the daughter sort of thinks, well, that's not really what I that's not the kind of music I write. And the mother says, you can do anything, you know, she's <laughs> encouraging. So it's a deathbed request. And the da- so the daughter, through song, uh, tells her mother's story. And mm-hmm. her mother's story involves, um, it, 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 to, see, I don't want it to sound as grim as it might sound, because her mother had a pretty interesting life. She was a poet. And her the story begins. Her mother's story begins when um, she's at the airport in Iowa, in 1970, with a wedding ring in her pocket, and she's waiting for her fiance's uh, plane. He's a photographer, and she's waiting for his plane to land, and it and it runs out of gas and crashes on the highway, crashes into a train, so he dies. <laughs> it and only after the funeral, she goes home and she's opening the mail, and she realizes that he didn't tell her. But he put sperm in a sperm bank because he was going to have a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And so she realizes she can't really completely grieve him because he's not entirely dead. And he, you know, and, and, it, and, and that sperm will stay frozen and viable for maybe 15, 20 years. So she has to deal with that. All right. Um, so, how did it come about that you um, uh, adapted the, your stories into a musical? Well, this this has been yeah, as you said, this these two of the other stories about a kid who goes off to Canada to avoid the draft, and and I wrote two novellas that I published in the Iowa Review a very long time ago, uh, and I combined them into a screenplay. At first, I got a grant from the Massachusetts State Arts Council for a screenplay, and that was um, in chopped around a little bit in Hollywood, and I had producers and actors, you know, giving me advice and notes and that kind of thing. And that never went anywhere. And uh, that, that kind of uh, died, I guess. I mean, you know, it, it, it was no longer a, a viable ma- uh, screenplay. But I still liked the story. And uh, somewhere along the line, I thought, well, maybe it'd be, it'd be an interesting thing to do for theater. Mm-hmm. And I changed it from a screenplay into a stage play. And the first version of that had about 20 characters. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, that's too many. Um, yeah. And I whittled it down to 12 and then eight and four. And anyway, it's one. 
<laughs> so it's, a, it's a one woman monologue. As slow as you can go at this point. Yeah. You know, easier to easier to get made if you have only this one one. It's a you know, it, it's the daughter. You know, the, it, yes. in the original screenplay, it was the mother's story, but now it's the daughter, all these years later, telling her mother's story, mm-hmm. and the, and the daughter actually finds out through the process. She they go to the cemetery, and the daughter looks down at the at her at her father's tombstones, and she says, "Mom, they got the date wrong on Dad's tombstone. It says he died four years before I was born." <laughs> and the mother says, uh, no, there's something I didn't tell you. <laughs> That's a great book. Um, how did you go about doing the adaptation? Um, did you, you know, have, well, have you written for the stage before? Not really for the stage. I've done a lot of screenplay writing and, you mm-hmm. know, with varying projects at different levels of development. And, and so I, I've, I, and I've worked with producers and, and another writer. Um, so, so I've, I've been working on kind of the 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 you know there's a difference between theater and screenplays but um but i've been working on kind of that kind of form for a while Mm -hmm. uh you know in in theater the interesting you know and and actually um i started to think i was going to make these in into novel into a podcast oh yeah okay because the podcast is a it's a brand new art form uh it's not entirely, it, it's somewhat similar to old time radio shows. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, but in the old time radio shows, you had to wait a week to, to for the, you know, for so they end, end you with a cliffhanger and you, you had to wait right. a week to come back. And in podcasts, you don't. So during quarantine, I started thinking about m- making podcasts and, and um, this was going to be a one episode podcast. And I thought, you know, I mean, it's a person singing songs and telling her mother's story. It could be a, it could be a play. It could be kind of a kind of a monologue, like uh, a little bit like David Sedaris or, or um, uh, who's the other guy, Spalding Gray would do. Right. Yeah. Um, although they were doing nonfiction, and and the thing about podcasts, as far as I could tell, still to this day, very few podcasts are fiction. Yeah, there's some out there. There's um, some, but then they kind of tend to be science fictiony or, right. or interesting, kind yeah. of gothic. But 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 um, and you know, ninety ninety five percent of podcasts are nonfiction, and a right. lot of true crime mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So I thought, you know, nobody's writing you know plays for podcasts, and nobody's, I don't think, writing musicals mm-hmm. for podcasts. So I did three of those, and this is one of those three. But, oh, but right. uh, we're, we're, we're putting it on a stage because it works that way, too. Yeah. So my guest is... About to say the same thing to Pete Nelson. My guest is writer and musician Pete Nelson. That's right. And discussing Last Request, a love story. So, Pete, I have a question before we go to break, uh, in the minute before yep. we have to... Which is, when you write a musical for a, a story like this, a, a play like this, are you writing song? You're a songwriter. Do you write songs yep. that would stand alone outside of the context of the entire musical uh, play, or are they? Do you have to know the story in order to understand the context of the the song you're writing? I, I guess I guess the answer to that is yes and no. Uh, some <laughs> some were written very specifically and only for for the for the play, and. But then I had the other songs that I kind of just wrote independently. And I thought that really that that works for the play, and I and I applied them to the to the uh, to the play. Uh, but some I wrote directly. Um, there's a, there's a song, you know, she she's writing these songs while her mother is is dying, and and there's a song she writes after her mother dies. Uh, and what, my father died about five years ago, and he died on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So when when the phone rang that night, I was expecting it would be both my parents, you know, wishing me happy birthday the way they they did for so many years, and it was my mother telling me that my dad had passed. No, oh, and and um, I had I had reason to wonder if he was proud of me. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people feel when they lose a parent. They 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 want that approval that they can't get anymore you, you, no matter how old you are you know I, I my father died he was 90 and i was 63 i think you know i still needed to know that he that he loved me i guess and and when when your parents parent is gone you can't know that anymore uh so there's a song in the play that i wrote uh, 
specifically for the play where where she sings, you know, were you proud of me? Mm -hmm. Did I did I make you proud of me? Did I do enough? Um, you know, and that kind of applies both to the songs she's writing for her mother, but to her her, her whole life because you, when you when your parent is gone, you you don't get that anymore. Well, mm -hmm. we are proud of you, and uh, <laughs> we're proud of you for writing Last Request, a love story, uh, a musical. Uh, so, Megan, when will these be performed again before we go to break? Yeah, December 8th at 7.30 at Studio 30, which is at 30 North Maple Street in Florence. It's off the, right off the bike path. Right. Uh, December 16th at 7.30 at Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield. And December 18th at 3 p.m. at the Drake in Amherst. And the Amherst and Greenfield shows, there's more information on those um, venues, websites. It sounds great. We're going to take a break, but we're going to come back, and Megan's going to continue her conversation with songwriter and playwright Pete Nelson. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New, New Bedford or Fall River. 1015-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Hello, this is Linda DeGillis, Vice President and Trust Officer at Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services. Many of our customers are surviving spouses who have found themselves suddenly in charge of their household's financial savings and investments, which had previously been handled exclusively by their late spouse. A number of our female customers have told us that one of the reasons they moved their accounts to GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services was because they felt patronized or talked down to by their spouse's financial advisor. At GSB Wealth Management and Trust Services, our team of professionals will always treat you with respect and compassion. If you are looking for portfolio management, estate settlement services, or trust services, please call us, Greenfield Savings Bank Wealth Management and Trust Services at 413-775-8335. That's 413-775-8335. Or stop into any GSB office or contact us online through the Wealth Management section at greenfieldsavings.com. Thank you. I once had a customer who asked us to make a very special fruit basket. I want 25 pounds of bananas, he said, with a note attached that reads, I'm bananas over you. Will you marry me? You know, I've always wondered about their wedding cake. At State Street Market, we make fruit baskets. Of course we do. But just because it's a basket doesn't mean you've got to fill it with fruit. How about a basket filled with but soda pop or microbrews? There are Chardonnay baskets, Merlot, Shiraz. Give us a price range and we'll fetch you a combination of bottles from the wine cellar that'll make someone dizzy with delight. Oh, we do baskets. Local goat cheeses and six kinds of crackers. Cookie baskets based on the cities of the world. Milano, Brussels. We've even put together the ingredients for the perfect minestrone. The fresh vegetables, the spice jar, the pasta. Hey, if you can dream it, State Street can put it in a basket. State Street Deli, State Street Fruit, State Street Wines and Spirits, Northampton delivery too. This week Shop Tuesday is Berkshire East. This Tuesday at 9 a.m., Berkshire East Resort releases certificates for their lift tickets in Charlemont. Enjoy great skiing and riding close to home. With massive upgrades and 100% snowmaking coverage, they're ready to provide an awesome skiing experience every time you visit. And this Tuesday, you save 30%. Berkshire East Resort in Charlemont. Available this Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the Shop 30 store at whmp.com. The Food Bank of Western Massachusetts is the region's largest hunger relief clearinghouse. They have been since 1982. They distribute fresh produce, including vegetables from 39 local farms, dairy, grains, and other nutritious foods to families and individuals facing hunger. The Food Bank is proud to partner with hundreds of food pantries, meal programs, and social service organizations to provide hunger relief in all four counties of Western Mass. Did you know that they also offer free SNAP outreach, helping anyone who needs support navigating the process of applying for 
federal food assistance. They also offer free bags of groceries through programs like the Mobile Food Bank, which hosts food distribution events at outdoor sites. Everyone is welcome to pick up food all year round. No ID or proof of need required. Learn more about the Food Bank at foodbankwma.org or by calling 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors in need have enough to eat and leading the community to end hunger. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with our wonderful weekly uh, segment, Writer's Block with Megan Jin. And her guest today is uh, writer and songwriter Pete Nelson. Yeah, and we're talking about uh, Pete's musical, uh, Last Request, A Love Story, which is going to get a few uh, productions this month. Um, so when you writing when you were writing this adaptation did you not having written a musical before did you look to existing musicals for guidance and inspiration and yeah composers or did you wing it how to how to well, you know I, I i look to traditional shows i i've always loved the you know my parents had all these soundtracks um when, when i used i lived for five years in westchester new york and I met a man who was a painter who rented the studio above our garage we we rented the house and he rented this studio and his I was chatting him with him once and he said his name was his name was Andy but he taught theater history and I said do you teach do you have a degree in theater history he said no he said uh, do you I said did you have you worked in the theater he said no and I said well how is it that you have a job teaching theater history he said well it's kind of a family thing I said how's that he said, well, his name is Andy, but that's his middle name. And his first name was Oscar and his last name was Hammerstein. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of a family thing. And, you know, and we talked about his father's stuff, his grandfather's mm -hmm. music. And, and he, wrote, mm -hmm. he was writing a memoir that I read. Um, and he actually was going to help me with this if we ever take the show down to New York. Um, but, uh, but I also, there's kind, of, there's kind of a new, the first musical I can think of that really a, employed folk music was the, the show once mm -hmm. which was brilliant yeah and and it's just the constant you know and then the second one was Hades Town, right which are, you know and and both of those are musicals where the, the music is not really the traditional Broadway kind of thing yeah. but the but the songs you know Anais Mitchell is a writes ballads she tells stories and that's kind of what I do in my songs too that's what the musical once did uh, so there's kind of a, a you know, and, and in the in, it's kind of built into the play where the mother says write a musical and the daughter says that's I don't know how to write musicals. Yeah, sort sure. of built in that she's she's kind of following a form and, and learning as, as she goes. So musicals have introductions and they modulate and they, you know, so 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 there's she's doing some of that, but some of it is just her own her own little three chord folk music too. And as, as long as the stories connect. You know, I, we've all seen shows of singer-songwriters where they, they play a song, tell a story, sing a song, yeah. play a, tell a story. And the stories might connect to each song, but they don't connect to each other. Um, they don't have an arc over the course of the whole evening to tell one story. So th that was my thinking that this would work as, as that kind of that kind of monologue where she's 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 singing 11 related stories. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so where did the story of the um, sperm donor using the... the uh, uh, donation four years later to conceive okay. well that, that it begins when i was in graduate school and i fell in love uh I, I i i don't know if i can say it was the most in love i've ever been but it was the craziest in love i've ever been okay. and and that was because when we met she there was there was i had a lot of rivals there were a lot of guys vying for her attention her name was peggy but she and i were going to quit smoking together i'd smoked since seventh grade so i quit smoking and and uh all, and I and immediately and that kind of worked as far as you know I won her her favor I guess, but I, I was just heartsick you know when she was when we were apart, and I felt this empty, aching yearning craving keening pining empty aching, longing, ang anguish, need, you know, uh, for her I thought, but it was actually nicotine withdrawal. <laughs> but but I, where I'm all the great art comes from i'm not saying the two didn't coexist they both were real but 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 they were conflated and 
and I couldn't part, I couldn't separate the two. So I was like insane. Uh, anyway, so the what the, the story started when we were buying birth control products and uh, they were incredibly expensive, even then I thought. And we were in a drugstore and, and I said, oh my God, why and she said, why don't you get a vasectomy? And I said, okay, I could just store, put some sperm in a sperm bank for later. And that's kind of where stories start. You know, these, these, this, right. this notion just popped into my head, what would happen if, if somebody died? Because you can't, you know, there are people who have trouble with the grieving process. And they're grief, they're sometimes a, a, a grief counselor will say, put, take everything that that person owned and put it in a box and bury that box in the desert something like that well she, she can't do that right. the guy the guy is not entirely dead so anyway so that was where the that was where the story came from that's a great story what was the most satisfying aspect of adapting your own work into a musical well you know, the most satisfying is hearing tracy sing my song oh i can imagine yes because she's one you know i i don't uh haven't had many haven't had too many times when i i could hear other people singing my songs and she is one of my favorite singers, one of my favorite performers. By Tracy, you're talking started, about Tracy Grammer, who's performing Tracy your Tracy Grammer, story. yeah. And she started doing theater with, uh, with uh, Tom Gayha at Greenfield Community College. And she was in an episode of Elephant Man. And, I, and, and I, when I wrote this, I thought, like, you know, I, I need to have an actress who can play an instrument and sing. And there she was, you know, and, and, and we, she and I have been friends for a long time. So That's right. uh, I kind of said, hey, you, what was that? I was going to introduce you again and give you give a little information about the show before we close out. Yeah. Um, so my guest is Pete Nelson, um, and his one-person musical, Last Request, A Love Story, will be performed by Tracy Grammer, who we were just talking about, a fantastic folk singer, on December 8th at 7.30 at Studio 30 at 30 North Maple Street in Florence, December 16th at 7.30 at Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center in Greenfield, and December 18th at 3 at the Drake in Amherst. Um, and there's information about the Hawks and Reeds and Drake's performances on their website. So thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Us today and looking forward to hearing more of this musical. Yeah, it really is. It sounds like it's really a musical that's worth seeing and worth hearing Pete Nelson. Megan, thank you so much for bringing Pete to us. And so the love story, it isn't your love for a cigarette. There's another story <laughs> underneath it. Right? It's about longing for somebody. A longing. Yeah. No, it really does sound like a beautiful story. Thank you for bringing it. Megan, hope everybody gets better in your house soon. Thank you. Thank and you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Pete, I guess I could say to a singer-songwriter, break a leg or break a pencil or something. Sure. But best of luck with this. Uh, with the last request, love story. We're going to be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Please do join us. Everybody have a good evening. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Pets and people, they belong together. They help us feel calm and loved with every tail wag, kiss, and snuggle. Bacon Humane Society believes in this bond, and your support keeps people and pets together. You provide resources so animals with medical issues can get the care they need to find homes. Our pet food aid program lets people facing tough times feed and keep their pets because you care. Bacon's many programs and services help companion animals and the people who love them. To make a gift, visit DakinHumane.org. Want to make a difference in a big way? Nearly 200 children in Hampshire County are on a waiting list to be matched with adult mentors called Bigs. Children who are matched with Live mentors local through Big Brothers, and talk Big Sisters, for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station. 